years, he never thought he'd hold a son in his arms. And as the Spirit filled him, this is what happened. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come and has redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then he prophesies over his little boy, his baby, John the Baptist as we know him. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And that little boy, that son, grew. And the Bible says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Father, as we come to this word in Holy Scripture now, may our worship be seamless. We want to ask, Lord, that as your Holy Spirit who has been brooding over us, the one who inspired these words to be written, the one who has helped and encouraged us to understand them thus far, Father, may he, your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, help us to understand that you want us to be a people who pray, a people who prophesy, a people who pray prophetically. You want us to be a prophetic people, Father. Please show us how through these scriptures. For your glory alone we ask it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Please take a seat. Brilliant. Thank you so much. We're in this Advent season and we come to the next in a series of messages, more than just a wing and a prayer. And I don't know what it looks like um, with me standing with the wings behind me, but I'll certainly tell you if there was a halo there, that slipped a long time ago, okay? Um, but uh, I have got a little surprise for you, thanks to Becky, when it comes to the Christmas nativity, Okay? Angels appear in the most unlikely of places. And you know, a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there, including the ones who came for free food and hot chocolate on Friday night, I wasn't there, Ross told me it was fantastic. People were, in a sense, being prophesied over through hot chocolate. It wasn't poured over them, don't worry. But they were shown love, they were shown friendship, they were shown a warm welcome at the doors, at the gate of this church. And what we're going to try and do tonight is take praise and prayer onto the streets and give away gifts, again to say, God is so wonderful, we would love you to come and find out more about Him. Or if somewhere you slipped away from Him, come back to Him. 
And by the way, listen to some of the awesome words. I want to tell you, I know there'll be people in here who love carols and people in here who are so glad when Christmas is over because you never want to sing another carol. Then you have to do it all again next year. Well, I don't want to call you bar humbug. I want to tell you I love carols. And I love them because so many of the words are absolutely fantastic. Apart from the holly and the ivy with a few druids thrown in. But there are magnificent, magnificent carols. And we're going to take praise onto the streets today. And so it's great that we've got this message today about Zechariah because people out there are living their life on a wing and a prayer or a little bit more than a wing and a prayer. But the truth is, often without the prayer. It's just on a wing. They're just winging it. Like I was for the first 32 years of my life, just winging it. Oh, I prayed prayers as an atheist. You heard about some of that recently. When you don't know how to cope, when you find that the baby that's been nine months inside your wife has died, you find a way to pray, even if you're an atheist. Because where else do you go? Except to the one who has the words of eternal life. And so people out there, we need to find a way to prophetically pray for them and then prophetically demonstrate in word and deed and through prophetic action that there is a God who loves them. And we're going to see in Zechariah's prayer that it's truly a prophetic prayer. Because prophecy is, of course, about that foretelling stuff, that almost predictive element of knowing what you couldn't possibly know unless God has told you. The kind of thing that I had Chris, one of our elders, come and talk about when sitting next to his sister as God gives me a prophetic revelation. She bursts into tears so everyone can hear it. And people needed to know that that transformed her life on that day because of the goodness and the greatness of God, not because of me. And Moses said that he would that all God's people would prophesy. And Paul the Apostle said, I'd rather have you prophesy. Uh, don't forbid speaking in tongues. I, I, I would that you all spoke in tongues. But I'd rather have you prophesy. Because prophesying edifies, equips, and encourages. It builds up. It breaks through and it breaks in. So now you're getting worried because you're thinking, uh-oh, I can see where he's going. He wants us all to be prophets. L- let, let's just cut to the chase. Absolutely I do. Every single one of you. Well, let me show you something prophetic that I had the privilege of doing yesterday. I was involved in something amazingly prophetic yesterday. It was called Messy Church. It was prophetic because people were loved and served and fed with quality food and their children had great fun doing crafts. I'm going to show you my humble effort in a minute. And as we worked with those children, I was working making my Christmas tree. It's on my study desk if you want to see it. I'm quite proud of it. I was helped by a young boy. And as we're getting into it and we're doing this prophetic thing of showing people God loves them by giving them fun and giving them an amazing message in Messy Church about Emmanuel, simply here's the message, God is with us. A little boy asked me as we were making our Christmas trees, what's church? And when a little boy asks you that, you think now, I've got to explain this at Blaze this week. I'm going to explain church to the children at Blaze. So this was good preparation for me. What do you say? Do you come out with some profound bit of knowledge? Oh, it's the ecclesia in the Greek. It's the called out community, you see, young man. That might have helped a six or seven-year-old, but I don't think so. 
So I said, it's a place where you have loads and loads of fun and you get loved and you have a chance to find out that God loves you and get to know him better. Was that okay? Because he was all right with it. Here it is, my prophetic craft. Not pathetic. Because we had with these children this wonderful opportunity to show them the stable and show them Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And I know those of you about Humbug saying that, we don't know there was a donkey there, Clive. Oh, come on. And we don't know there were three wise men. Well, I could only get my hands on a couple. Oh, no, I got all three wise men. I could only get my hands on a couple of shepherds. But that's a prophetic statement to a child. Because a lot of the children there might never hear the true meaning and the true story of Christmas, yes? So thank God that you can find out about the Christ of Christmas, the God who is with us, Emmanuel, through Gaffer's Gorge. You can find out through Messy Church. You can find out through the recovery ministry. You can find out through the street pastors when you're trying to get smashed out of your head at Christmas if you're still coherent enough to understand the love that the street pastors are offering. You can find out through the food at the soup run. You can find out in a million ways that this church, here in this nation and in Nepal, other nations of the world, prophetically speak about the love of God. Isn't it wonderful? Aren't you glad to be part of it? You'll have worked out by now, I get excited about Christmas. But let's look at this prayer, because here is a man who prays prophetically. Let's look at the background to this amazing prophecy, this prophetic prayer of Zechariah. The first thing you need to know, and we have to go back to verses 5 to 25 of Luke 1, is that Zechariah is an upright, ironic priest. But he's also a man that's sad. So as we look at this background to Zechariah's prophetic prayer, then we see an image of a man who is upright, who is devout, who has walked in holiness before God. Look at Luke 1, verses 5 to 6. And we find that in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there's a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. There's about a 1,000 in his division. There's about 20,000 descendants of Aaron who are the only ones that could be these priests. And he's in the division of Abijah. You also find out his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, of this priestly uh, family. And that both of them, it says verse 6, were upright in the sight of God, in the sight of God himself, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Can I ask you a question? Anyone here absolutely blameless? Anyone here observing all the Lord's commandments perfectly? Well, you won't mind if I put my hand down then, because neither do I. Because the Bible says we sin in thought and in word, and indeed it puts it this way. If we say we're without sin, we're liars, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But nevertheless, this man was upright before God, kept all the commandments. He's a devout man, but he's sad. Why? Because he's got a barren wife, Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. He's got a barren wife, Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. They're both well on in years, so they'll think their time has gone. But verse 7 here tells us that Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Didn't have any children. In those days, it would almost be seen that as the judgment of God, it would almost be seen that you'd done something wrong. You'd sinned and you'd lost favor with God. So it's a sense of shame for them. They didn't understand medically that some people just struggle to have children and in a fallen world that happens. They just assumed 
And that must have been tough. So he must have been sad. But he finds himself with the opportunity of a lifetime for a priest. 20,000 priests, 1,000 in his division alone. His division, Abijah, on duty, and they're ministering at the temple, and he is drawn by lot to minister in the holy place. Verses 8 to 10 of chapter 1. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. This guy has got the chance of a lifetime. Work out the odds out of 20,000 of the lot falling to him. Never happened for most priests. Never happened. And he finds himself at the very altar of incense burning the incense so that's representative and symbolic of prayers going up to God and while he's there something absolutely phenomenal happens he has an angelic visitation he has his chance of a lifetime and there's this angelic visitation look at verse 11 then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense out of nowhere or I should say out of the spiritual realms steps Gabriel We know it's Gabriel because we're told it's Gabriel in verse 19. And we're told in verse 12 that this is an angel of the Lord. So Gabriel, who's been in the Lord's presence, steps out of one spiritual realm into another, into the earthly realm, and he's standing right there next to Zechariah. Don't know what your reaction would be. Oh, nice to see you. Probably not. And it certainly wasn't his. He was filled with fear. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And when he heard that bit, he must have gone, which one? The one that I offered just now, or, and forgive me for reading a little bit into Scripture here, the one that I stopped praying years ago. Because I prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and prayed and Elizabeth never got pregnant. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and she never got pregnant. Did you mean that one I prayed just now, still honoring and loving my God, acknowledging my sinfulness? Or do you mean the one I just gave up praying because the answer never came? Can I just say to you at this moment, folks, don't give up praying unless the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't give up. You've got a loved one that needs God's love and hasn't acknowledged it. You've got somebody at this moment who's battling an addiction. Maybe you are yourself. You've got a relationship that's supposed to bless you and it's causing you a lot of pain. Don't give up praying. Because God had heard Zechariah's prayer and God has heard every single prayer that you have brought. But don't do what Zechariah does in his chance of a lifetime. If an angel turns up and gives you a message from God, best not to say, well, how can I be certain about this? Because you've got a great big angel standing next to you, just appeared out of nowhere. It's a good chance. Maybe I'm being a bit hard on Zechariah, because you'll see this holy priest responds in an awesome way just a little bit later on. Well, about nine months later on, actually. But... He is struck silent. Listen to what happens. Doubt comes in. Doubt, by the way, is not a sin. Anyone ever doubt? Unbelief's a sin, but not doubt. If you ever doubt, you're in good company. I'm not encouraging doubt. I'm not here to build up doubt. I'm here to build up faith. So try not to doubt, 
but if you do, don't feel God's going to snuff you out. But it might strike your silence if you doubt an angel, because that's what he did with Zechariah. Listen to verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. You see, what he's doing when he says, I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years, he's not looking at the angel and the promise of God. He's looking at the circumstances and the fact that his wife's barren and she's old and he's old. How can this happen physically, he's asking. We heard last week, with God all things are possible. So don't look at the circumstances. Look at the promises of God. Can I encourage you when you're praying in this season of prayer, please, can I encourage you that you actually claim the promises of God, that you copy the passion of Zechariah. I don't mean literally mimic it, but stir up a passion within you. Claim the promises of God by knowing the Scripture and holding on to them and seeking God's leading, the leading of the Spirit, as you are praying. But for now, he is struck silent. The angel says, Now you will be silent, verse 20, and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. So that's all background. Let's look at the birth. And the first thing we see in the birth of John the Baptist is there was a surprising and joyful birth. We read about it in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he's to be called John. So there's a surprisingly joyful birth. The people shared her joy, we're told in verse 58. Just imagine the joy of Elizabeth. Imagine it. It must have been incredible. All the shame and all the aching and all the longing. Maybe, and, and if it's true of you, maybe you've known that pain. Please let some of us bless you and, and comfort you and pray for you. Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs says. Maybe that's you. I've dedicated children who are miracle children. Parents who are told you will never bear children, and they did by the grace of God. And when you hold a child in your arms that you know is a miracle baby, we've got babies coming into the life of this church soon. Isn't it exciting? And we're praying that they come whole and healthy and blessed. And I'm praying that maybe the father, like Zechariah, will prophesy over his child. That was for Rich and Steph up in the balcony. There's no hiding from God. Bless you guys. Keep praying for them and all those bringing children into the world. It's a delicate time. But this surprising and joyful birth is followed up by a surprising name that is to be given, John. Because we're told in verse 61 that this isn't a family name. None of your relatives, none of your ancestors have got that name. Why would you give that name? Now we know why. The angel said, give that name. But in verses 59 to 63, we see it was just a surprise. But there's also a surprising recovery because Zechariah does something that he should have done back there in the holy place when he was offering incense and Gabriel turned up. Listen to verses 59 following. From verse 59, on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. They're going to give him the name after his father, Zechariah, but the mother spoke and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives with that name. 
So then they made signs to the father, maybe he was deaf as well as mute, to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. To everyone's astonishment and surprise, he wrote his name is John. And then look at the very next word, immediately. Immediately, there's a surprising recovery, and it's awe-inspiring. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it and asked, when, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Isn't it awesome? And Zechariah, when he steps into the will of God, because in a sense, how can I be certain? He stepped out of the trust through his doubts. He struck silent, but as soon as he writes the name, as soon as he steps into the obedience of God, God's blessing is upon him, and as you see, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Any disobedience amongst us this morning? Anyone saying, uh-uh, no, I can't believe that. I'm not doing that, Lord. I'm not going that way. And you're struggling because some prayers aren't being answered. Well, maybe deal with the former and God will sort out the latter. You with me? Because as soon as he steps into the will of God, his mouth is immediately opened. Verse 64, immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak. This is the prophetic prayer pouring forth from a proud father. So I was saying that without your teeth in. It's the prophetic prayer pouring forth from a proud father. And if you and I will step into the will and the obedience of God, we will see the blessing of God in our lives. Let's get to the prayer. We're going to go through it really quickly. Zechariah's prophetic prayer. Anyone got some background in the Church of England? Yeah, if you have, you will know that this is called often the Benedictus. The Benedictus from the Latin for the translation of the first words of Zechariah's song, his prophetic prayer. So it's called the Benedictus. You remember that Mary's song was called the Magnificat. And next week we'll look at Simeon's song, which is the Nunc Dimittis. Okay, a little bit of cultural history for you there. But what happens is here is verse 67, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. So what can we learn about prophetic prayer from this prayer? Well, let's look. When he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he overflows with prophetic praise. And he's not only full of the Holy Spirit, he's full of praise, he's full of hope, he's full of insight, he's full of faith, he's full of courage, and he's full of prophetic revelation. When we pray prophetically, when we ask that God might bless us and fill us with His Holy Spirit, we can ask, because Paul says in Ephesians 5, we saw that recently, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can pray this way too. Full of praise, verse 68. Praise be to the Lord. That's where he starts, just like Mary, with absolute praise. And full of hope. Listen to verse 69 of this song. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come and has redeemed his people. Verse 69, he has raised up a horn. That speaks of strength. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He's prophesying about the coming of the Savior, the Messiah. 
the Christ, the Anointed One. The one we know is Jesus. And he's full of hope as he says this. He's got hope about this salvation. And he's full of insight because in verse 70, we have, as he said through his holy prophets long ago, the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are flooding into Zechariah's mind. He's a priest. He knows all this stuff. And now he just starts realizing, wow, my little baby boy, my son, is going to be in the line of those prophets and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Wow. I remember the time with my Adam. You'll love Adam. He's like a kind of not very regenerate version of his dad, really. He's a good lad, my son, and I love him deeply. Uh, and I remember when he was a little boy and I was saying prayers with him um, in his bedroom. And one night we said prayers and uh, he said, Dad, do you, do you know what I want to be when I grow up? And I said, no, son. He said, Dad, I, I, I want to be a preacher. Now, inside I went, yes! Yeah, but I thought, no, stay calm, stay calm, you know. Uh, and then the next night we're saying prayers, and I was w wondering expectantly if he was going to carry on the story, and we said prayers, and sure enough, he said, Dad, Dad, do you know what I want to be when I grow up? And I thought, yeah, I do, you want to be a preacher, but I'll, I'll let him say it. And I said, uh, I think you might have mentioned it, son. What, what would you like to be when you grow up? Because whatever you want to be is good by me, whatever the Lord says. And he says, I want to be a hairdresser. Now, if you're out there and you're a barber or a hairdresser, the Lord bless you. It's a great chance to chat with your customers about the light of the world, okay? But I have to say, I got outside and I was a bit, a little bit crestfallen. So he's now uh, in merchant banking in Geneva, in Switzerland, and he's got one of those Audi TTs, which evidently is a car that hairdressers have anyway. So there you go. That, that's, that's the way it worked out for now. Pray for Adam. So... Zechariah is full of praise, full of hope, full of insight, and he's full of faith. Listen to this faith-filled prayer, verse 71. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, but the one that by oath he swore to our father Abraham. Abraham was told under oath by God and covenant that his children would outnumber the stars and the grains of sand on the seashore and that he would be a channel of blessing to all nations. Jesus is going to come forth from the seed of Abraham. Jesus, the one who was always expected in the line of David, is going to come forth, but John the Baptist, Zechariah, now sees he's going to prepare the way. And so he's full of courage, verse 74. This God's going to rescue us from the hand of our enemies to enable us to serve him without fear. Can I ask you, how many of you, if you're really honest, are a bit scared about giving out an invitation? Thank you for your honesty. The worst thing that you can get is someone saying, no thanks. And maybe that might prickle a little bit for a while. But can I ask you that like Zechariah, your mouths might be opened and your tongues might be loose, not to go and bash people on the head, but actually with love, just say, I'm just wondering, would you like to come to church? Pray for them. Think about the best way to deliver it. You know, if you know that they love milk tray chocolates, delivering it with a big box of chocolates might help. Whatever it takes, have courage, don't be afraid, because this message is so important. And this man, full of courage, who knows that God will enable us to serve him without fear, is full of prophetic revelation. The whole thing reaches a climax. He prophesies over his little baby boy. 
He prophesies over his son John that we know is John the Baptist who'll go out into the desert and dress in a really weird way and eat really weird food but be brave and courageous and even prophesy and challenge the rulers, the despotic, ungodly rulers like Herod that in the end have his head on a platter. But he baptizes people and he prepares the way and he gets to baptize the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus. And while he's baptizing, he hears a voice from heaven say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And when he's languishing and people say, what's happening? You're locked up in prison. You, your life's under threat. What's happening? He remembers that he must decrease, that Jesus might increase. Wow. Wow. And Zechariah, glimpsing just little bits, glimpsing just little bits of this, full of prophetic revelation, says these things over his son from verse 76. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You'll go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. You know, you and I might not be John the Baptist, but we have a chance to point someone at the light of the world. We have a chance to simply prepare the way it might be making a prophetic stable. It might be giving someone a mince pie and a cup of tea in your home this Christmas. It might be giving out an invitation. It might be signing up to help with Gaffer's God, whatever it is. If you were one of those that volunteered to work with Annie, bless you for yesterday, Annie. What a privilege that I had to go and take turkey and those lovely little sausages and the, the stuffing to the table. There was a bit left by the time I got it there, you know, there was a bit left. I took it to people and then went back with, with chocolate rolls and mince pies. Do you know, that is perhaps the most unusual prophetic ministry I've ever been involved in, but it is prophetic ministry. So yesterday, in the morning before we got to that great party, I sat with a lady whose name shall remain nameless, I just introduced her because Annie had said, go around and meet people. And this lady just immediately, a lady with a mum dying of cancer in another country, said, so what happened to you? How come you became a Christian? And we're off and running. And I had the privilege of not being pushy, not bashing her with a Bible, but just because she asked me, sharing respectfully the love of God with her. I'm finished, but I want to say this. In fact, let's stand together. Let's ask the band to come back. We're going to come to the table. Natalisha's going to come and sign this book. Ross is going to lead us in communion. We're going to sing some songs, but, but I want to ask you now, if you're willing, perhaps you turn your hands to heaven, and if you're uncomfortable about that kind of thing, some are, just saying, it's the way Jesus prays, just saying, but if you're comfortable to turn your hands to heaven, and if you're not, don't worry, but turn your hearts to heaven, dare we, can we ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we will be truly a prophetic people?
because I want to be prophetic for God, not pathetic for God. I'm not saying anyone here is pathetic. I've told you how wonderful is the ministry of this church. But I want to ask that God would so come like a flood of His Spirit amongst us. He'd so fill us with His Spirit that, that wherever we go, whether in the recreation club or the workplace or our school or our college or on the door queue or in our ministry context, when people bump into us, the love and the power of God spills out. And we might just have a, a revelation just to speak of God in foretelling His prophecy, but we might even get a revelation that speaks right into the heart of that person. So if you want that, then know that the New Testament says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, particularly the gift of prophecy, and that God wants us to be people of prayer, people that pray prophetically. Let's ask Him. Father, as we come to this table in a moment and see bread and wine, that is the greatest prophetic statement we can ever make. We remember his body broken and his blood shed. We remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is a sign to us. But Lord, we can be a sign to others. Jesus, the light of the world, Heavenly Father, called his disciples the light of the world and told them not to hide their lights under bushels, but to put it on a mountain, to go and be light and to be salt, to make a difference. And Lord, this is what we should do. And Lord, if you fill us with your Spirit, we'll find it much easier and we'll do it more boldly. Forgive us when, like Zechariah, we doubt. Help us to step into obedience and step into your goodwill and your good pleasure and your joyful pleasure. So Lord, whether we're on the balcony or whether we're down here, we ask that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit now. That when we go onto the streets of Plymouth tonight, when we sing our carols, those amazing words, when we give out the chocolate and the invitations, it will be a prophetic statement that Emmanuel, God, is with us and that God loves our community. Fill us to that end, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.